Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello, and uh, welcome to this segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And the topic for today is IT leaders as catalysts. So when we look at the organizations all over and globally, we see IT leaders playing the role, a very important role for how uh, an organization grows and becomes profitable and becomes innovative. That's great, but then most of the times, IT leaders would self, uh, not exactly self-inflict, but they will assume the role of an enabler, more taking not exactly orders, but kind of waiting for business to tell this is what we need to accomplish. And then they would kick it off. What we wanted to explore is what about taking IT leaders and helping elevate them or they themselves elevate them so that they play the role of a catalyst where they go and energize the whole organization, the business unit leaders, the the staff, and not just their own staff, the, the business users, and make sure that everything is moving forward, almost playing the role of a CEO or other leader and not just an enabler. What does it take? So to discuss that, I have with Jonathan Vester, who is the Vice President of Technology and Chief Information Officer with Nash Community College. Hey, Jonathan, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. So, Jonathan, you heard what we are trying to do here. So let's first of all talk about the current way IT leaders typically front end. They talk about we are enablers. And if that's the mindset, then they would enable. And that's where they will feel they'll be evaluated. And that's that's where they would stop. I'm not saying everyone does it, but that's what the majority has been doing lately. What do you think is preventing them from actually jumping forward and saying, folks, that's boring. Yeah, I can enable left hands eyes closed in my sleep. Let's go to the next level. Let's become catalyst. Let's be uh, instrumental in accelerating growth and innovation. Why are we not doing it and what's missing? I think one of the things that I have observed is ownership of the business processes can be one of the many, I think, barriers to overcome. Uh, When you get to the C-suite, you do have people who have been very competitive, usually, to get to that uh, part of the organization. And so they have a lot of ownership and a lot of, of their personality wrapped up into their operations. And so when when someone like myself comes in and says, you know, there is an idea that I have or my team or your team even has come to me about an idea and I want to help you do that, they can see that as a threat because it's now you're encroaching on their silo in the organization. So that's one of the, the key things is to have an organizational culture that accepts that you can you know, have cross-pollination of ideas and it be okay. And that's, you know, that, that should be uh, something that's promoted within the organization. Um, on top of that, I think that just the general time of the CIO is at a premium. Uh, we usually are, uh, even when we try to innovate, we're, we're doing many roles at one time. And so having the opportunity to, uh, to be that catalyst, which means that you are engaged in whatever initiative it is or project it is at a level that 
you're not just supervising you know, the human resources, but you're actually getting involved in the process. That takes the time that usually we don't have because we're jumping from meeting to meeting and really not doing any other work than just scheduling the next meeting. So the two areas, let's let's kind of dig deeper and at least start with the first one, the one which you mentioned, where the business unit leaders are territorial almost, right? We are saying that they are territorial or they fall in love with the way they run it and anything which is introduced or suggested to them, they see that as threat. So is this something which is global or is it a function of how we present a case to them so that they see it as a threat? Are we essentially labeling any business unit leader as someone who has low self-esteem that anyone else who's going to come and give them idea is actually uh, coming across as someone who's going to be threat and is going to take the job away? If that's the case, if at all that the case, isn't the onus on the leader, the IT leader, him or herself, to not come across as a threat and innovate and evolve their approach to how they build relationship with that business user so they see you as a friend first and then someone who is a CIO or an IT leader? Absolutely. Um, one of the things that, that I have strived to do within my department and then have that flow outward is the, the humanizing of IT, the IT department in general. Um, a lot of times we can be pigeonholed into being just these very narrowly focused, narrow skill set kind of people, and we don't have that personalization that is, I think, required to have the, the communication across the organization. And so one of the things that I have found to be successful over the years is to take my technicians and make sure that um, I have technicians that are personable uh, and that can be good ambassadors for my department within the organization because when the users see the technician, um, that's the person they see the most. That's the interface of the department by, by and large. If they feel as though they are, are welcome and open, in, open to their ideas and they don't just treat them as a user, um, that begins this, this culture pushing outward to be uh, more acceptable to an idea coming from my department or to come to my department to ask for help. Uh, for example, if business office, which is an, another closed vacuum, uh, usually inside the organization, um, if, if they see that we welcome their ideas and um, they, can, they can trust our opinions on things, they can, they can trust that we're not going to set them up for failure, they're more willing, because they've worked with our technicians and with our, our programmers, to come to me from the, the manager side of, of the house, not the, the CFO, but the manager of that department, and say, I've got an idea. Can you help me champion this? Because my, my boss, the CFO, doesn't like to have ideas thrown at her that are going to be a challenge uh, to her authority. And so over the years, that's what I have fortunately for me successfully done uh, at, at my college right now is show that we can work together. No one needs to feel threatened because, one, I don't want to be the CFO um, by no means, uh, but also that, that – I can take the skill set and talent that's in my department and it can be used to make other departments better, not to, to show that my department is better than yours, but I can make your department better by working in, in conjunction with mine. And over the years, that, that has, has worked really well. We have a lot of uh, people that stop by the office now with ideas or they've seen something at a conference and 
they say, can we do this here? Or how can we do something similar here? And that's a great thing to have because in the past and other places that I've been, it was, it was just kept to themselves. And, and years down the road, you'll hear, well, at a conference, I saw that, and I thought that we might do it, but I didn't think that you all would be interested in anything like that. You were just too busy. Um, have, having that relationship become part of that culture inside the organization, that's what I think one of the, the catalysts that the CIO can do because we, we do operate across all parts of the organization. And so, if again, if we, if we can be good ambassadors for the intelligent use of technology and, and the systems that we have in place or ones that are available to us, I have seen that the, the users at large and the other C-suite uh, individuals look to us as a resource for that change and not as a burden to them that they're going to have to overcome. So when you discussed relationship, uh, you did, of course, say that, okay, if I go as Jonathan going to a business counterpart and take them into confidence and build relationships, that's where you start getting them to thaw a little bit and are more acceptable to the ideas. Similarly, people who report to you who go to the corresponding counterparts in business, if they could do the same, then that relationship or the possibility of IT becoming a catalyst will happen. Now, what what this strategy is doing, and I'm just trying to play devil's advocate, is putting the onus on that individual. So if Jonathan is a good people person, or those three people who report to you are good people, people, uh, they have that personality that they are very personable, as you said, then they will move it forward. Now, what you're doing is you're fighting against a perception that IT folks are just geeks and, and, and they are not personable, et cetera, et cetera. So is there a possibility of doing a parallel or putting in a parallel effort to also changing the perception which is not connected? So IT should not be Jonathan. IT exactly. should be a department. How do you change the perception so that you have less of an uphill battle? Because as soon as you approach them, first, they don't know Jonathan. They know this person belongs to IT. They look at your role. But if that perception was a little more positive and looked at, okay, IT always is there to help me, then you would not have that uphill battle. That's number one. Number two, it will not be as dependent on Jonathan's propensity and approach and attitude and the talent to be personable. So if anybody else comes tomorrow, you win a lottery, it should not be dependent. IT's perception and what you get done and IT to become a catalyst should not be dependent on Jonathan. I'm laying this out for you. More. and then Yeah, so, so if you had to do this, then I, I, what's holding us back? Why can't we work on um, the perception? I, I, I do work on that perception personally. Uh, one of the ways that I do that is through my, the hiring of my employees. Um, and, and to build a culture through the employees for the users to look to them as the, the sum total of the department. And I, I try very hard, actually, to fight the, the idea that, that my employees are an extension of, of myself. Um, that's something that I think that many COs, um, particularly I think new COs, have that problem of wanting to have the individuals in the department of IT be extensions of their abilities and in, in what they can do. And so um, I do assign tasks to my employees when someone comes to me and says, hey, I want to do X, Y, and Z. I will say, you need to talk to you know, someone in systems or someone on the operations side. 
and not I'll take care of that for you because I, I take great pride in the in the talent pool that I have, and I'm very vocal about that. Um, when we have successes, you know, I, I am sure that I celebrate successes publicly with those in the department that need the credit. Um, that's something that we, again, that's the ego part that you have to let go of from leadership. You have to separate yourself from that ego, too. And yes, it's great to have you know, people give you accolades, but it's better from a leadership standpoint for you to, to push that down because you've already, you've already achieved you know, great things. If you're a CIO and you're been, you've been placed in the right you know, position, then you've already achieved enough to where you want to, to spread that back out. And I think that that altruistic attitude is one of the things that the organization proper picks up on when you, you say, you know, this, this is not me doing this. This is, you know, this is Brian doing this or this is whomever doing this. Um, when they see you do that and distribute the, the responsibility and, the, and the, the good and the bad, you know, both the successes and the failures, that becomes part of that culture of, you know, it's, it's not just me. And, and I think that um, one of the ways that you can also do that is when you do come in right off the street, um, as you, you're, this is your first month or first quarter as CIO, don't try to make very bold uh, moves. Don't, don't take on very bold projects, even if those are ones that have been sitting on the shelf from your predecessor. I think small incremental successes builds that uh, respect and that trust in your ability and your ability to lead your team. Um, now, this isn't... And I wouldn't say this as take on something that's just very, very simple um, to you, but you can find projects that are uh, easy for your team to accomplish, but from the outside user standpoint, it's revolutionary. You know, um, things like if you have uh, not implemented Active Directory and have a uniform single sign-on, well, those things can, can really ease the burden off of workload on your users. Now, they don't understand that once you set that up and it's you know, cared for and maintained correctly, it's just going to be there forever. But that's a, a big jump in the right direction of, you know, Jonathan came on board, he appraised what our needs were, he talked to us, and one of the pain points was that we had all these different disparate systems, and he helped us uniform that. So if he can do that kind of you know, project and says he can do it and do it on the correct timeline, then maybe I can trust him and his team to do the next thing. And then you, you ease into the tougher projects, but you demonstrate that you can, one, trust the leadership coming out of my office, but also trust the abilities of the team. And that's how you redistribute the, not just the labor, but also the, the trust and consensus across the organization that it's not just one guy in that office, it's this team that's being led by that guy in the office. The other thing which you mentioned was we don't have the time, right? Right. So, so let's, let's take a step back and think about what do we not have the time for? Are we too busy saying yes to any and every project that comes our way so we are ripping at our seams and we're not doing the right thing? It's like Mark Twain said, I did not have the time to write a shorter letter, so I wrote a longer one. <laughs> So, um, so where, where are we? Yeah, where, my question is, when you know that your effectiveness, your team's effectiveness, the quality of the projects and your ability to increase your perception and everything else will only depend and you will be able to get to a much better elevated state of influence is when you spend time on these things. But if you don't spend time on these things and we take glory in just finishing another project, 
do you think we will ever change the status we are in, which is often enabler, often order taker? Right, and, and you get into the, the the mindset of break fix, which is a, a really bad place to be from uh, IT department standpoint. You should be looking to do things in a better format so that you're not always doing break fix because eventually, even from my desk, I get wrapped up in that, is that things aren't working where they should, and I'm having to get into the weeds of, you know, fixing people's problems instead of looking at ways to have avoided those or mitigated those problems uh, from the, from the get-go. Um, one of those things of, with the time, uh, I think that time just to research, just from the standpoint of being a, a lifelong learner in technology and when you become a, a CIO, I think that you need to expand your interest into things like organizational behavior. That's something that's you know, an interest of mine, but it's also helped me immensely in understanding how departments and people work together or don't work together or what's been tried before and what's failed. Expanding you know, your interest in areas not just solely on technology. Now, I would definitely say if, if you can, get out to conferences that are um, going to challenge the way you think about business operations or technologies that you may have heard a little bit about that may have some influence on your business operations, if you can get if you can get to those, get out there and and allow yourself to think a little freer, so that when you come back, you can share that with your team and with the organization. Um, that's something that I think that's missing a lot of times, at least from um, from my standpoint. Um, I, I don't have time to go to to week long conferences. That's just not something that's uh, you know, on my on my radar. Um, but what I do try to do uh, of that list is when there are projects that I know that I can have a, a positive influence on and can contribute, I dedicate myself to the team project and I'm, I'm there. Um, having a leader that's not present, but is supposed to be present, um, can be detrimental, I think, to the team dynamic. And, and uh, what I have seen in the past is if you jump into a project and say, hey, I'm going to be here with these weekly meetings and I'm going to help you uh, develop X, Y, Z, and, and you don't, then you begin to build a little bit of resentment from the team of them not trusting you. And so if that happens, then you've, you've kind of poisoned the water there on trying to build a culture of camaraderie and of trust and respect because your team, if your team can't trust you, they're going to be more than likely uh, the opposite of advocates when it comes to the public uh, or the, the user side. Um, you know, des- describing the department and saying, well, my boss, you know, he tries to do things, but he never delivers or he's never there um, when we need him. Uh, those things can, can really uh, hurt the, the, the change you try to affect later on. Um, so th- I think that when you have the, the time uh, to help bake into the corporate, cor- corporate culture that uh, reciprocal respect, not only within your department, but then uh, going outside of the department, that's going to help. I really, I really think help you find time to assign tasks to your, your high flyers in the department. You look at succession planning. That's one of the things that I try to do a lot of is to find projects that maybe the staff that don't really have an idea that they can do these things, um, give them a task to do. That, that I feel as though they can accomplish. And if they can't accomplish, I need to be ready to step in and help them and mentor them through the process so that the next time that comes around or something similar comes around, they're, they have a, a better uh, self-perception of their ability to do it. Um, 
And again, that's part of that culture, and that culture feeds upon itself in a positive way, and as other departments see that mentoring work, um, you will usually see other C-level uh, uh, individuals ask you, how do you do that? I have that, that here. You know, how do you mentor people? What, what are your tips on how to mentor people? Because I've been very fortunate in that my team has come with me on this journey from just being a break-fix IT shop to a, a source for creativity and innovation and, and pushing the institution forward because they know they have that latitude. I, I give my team lots of, of room to fail. Um, I follow the, the old uh, adage of fail early, fail often, and fail cheaply. Um, that's something that, that my team knows I will support them uh, as long as they let me know when it's, it's starting to go sideways. Um, I'll help them pull back out. Um, there's a, an, a fallacy, a logical fallacy uh, called the sunk cost fallacy. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard that, about this or not, but it's basically when you uh, refuse to change what you're doing because you've got a lot of time and, and really a lot of ego wrapped up into the creation of the thing, and so you don't back out of it. Um, I actually had this posted uh, on the wall in our office for, for the team to, to be reminded of is that you, know, you can step out of a project at any time, but don't let that project or you know, whatever it is that you're doing, something, something we've been doing forever, um, don't let that stand if you know that if we change, things will be better in the long run. Um, so we have the ability up here to, to see things in that fashion, and that's also something that I refer to when I talk to other uh, executives here at the college or other users is that if you see a problem, it's okay to identify it. You're not going to be punished for it. And this begins that culture of it's okay to be um, open and honest about things that you see because when they see the negative things, it also lends them to seeing things that can be changed. And so that's how you get yourself involved in that innovation is that they know that you're not going to scold them for trying to do something that fails because we are all about, do you have an idea? Let's try it out and test it. And we know that pretty much everything that we do now in in any business, uh, any modern business, is going to be related to technology. Either it's going to be software in the back end, it's going to be infrastructure to get one device talked to another, um, it's going to be some kind of software that talks to around, you know, and via email or some kind of thing. Um, so there are very few projects that don't involve the IT department, and so they know that we're not going to let them fail uh, later on because our mantra, you know, is, is going to monitor what you're doing, understand what you're doing, and then kick the project off and make sure that if it starts to, to go you know, sideways, we're going to pull back and say, wait, let's stop, retool. It's okay to, to get this wrong the first time. Let's go back at it. And that's how that, um, again, that, that innovative culture gets to be seeded and gets to be sustained is when you know that it's okay if you fail because the, the IT shop's going to work until we get it right with you. If we've already gone through the planning process and worked through the, the entirety of the workflow, try to, to troubleshoot what might go wrong, and we've already accommodated for that. More likely than not, I, I'd say that about 90% of the projects that we kick off up here now have been thoroughly vetted uh, through the department and through the department that's asked us to help them. And so we have, uh, I'm very fortunate to say, we have very high success on uh, the projects that we do take on because we are, um, and some of my, my peers would say that, I'm a little bit too much of a stickler for planning, but we, we, we plan things until um, 
it's very hard for it to get outside of that project plan. And that's, again, one of those things about innovation that, yes, it's, it's free-flowing sometimes, but when it comes to getting it done, you have to kick back into the old business model of plan, budget, do, monitor, um, because you, you can't just have a blank check um, of funds and time and resources to get innovation done. Um, you have to demonstrate that it's not going to you know, be the sinkhole of, of time and effort and money and, and other resources. So you, you had a very thorough response to my question. Now, the one sentiment I see prevailing throughout is we are somewhere looking at leadership or calling it or, or perceiving it as synonymous to getting projects done. Whereas if you want to energize people, they don't think projects. They think what's ahead how we become better as a business. And here it's not about just energizing your own people because they might see, you'll see twinkle in their eyes when you show them a cool little infrastructure project you're going to kick off. Here we're talking about influencing the rest of the organization. So -hmm. think like a CEO. A CEO and CIOs are not much different in terms of their knowledge and understanding of where the whole, how the whole business works by design, right? But then a CEO is not thinking a project. The person is thinking, where are we today in context of where the market is going and where we could be going or we could lead the market and we start painting a vision, sharing that vision and getting people to come back to us with ideas and there is energy created. What would it take for CIO to start adopting that aspect and they could start leading from the middle. They could wear a CEO's approach. Projects will anyways get done, right? There will be mess or there will be, you know, uh, great projects. Those will keep happening. That's business as usual. But can CIOs abstract themselves from that, the grind that we're going through and, up, you know, take themselves or elevate themselves as a CEO? And if yes, what would it take? What would it take for them to not 100% sever their ties with the projects, but kind of step above those projects to see there is far more value to be created by being in the role of CIO. But before we get into it, you get a few minutes to think. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh, Jonathan, we would rather have a CIO, especially that top role, be someone who is not 
working or coming first thing in the morning and looking at their project list and say, what problem do I need to solve today? Or what uh, mess do I need to help the business get over? Then we come across, and you rightly said that, labels you as someone who's a break fix. But even when we talk about us getting a seat at the table, or we talk about things which are more to get the, the permission, if you will, to think strategically. We keep fighting a battle and try to feel as if we are tired warriors. What would it take for you to not seek permission and say, I'm going to see what it takes to energize people, to influence people? Sometimes it's better to ask for forgiveness than for permission. But are CIOs and IT leaders playing safe and that's why they don't do it and that's why they don't take risks in giving some revolutionary ideas or are doing things which will wow the CEOs and executive management and the board and then they will the others will see this person has the chops and they will be influenced and will be ready to be led by the CIO. You see where I'm going? This is a totally different level at which a leader, a IT leader can play, but they don't usually do that. What holds us back? And how do you fix it? Um, I think one of the things that, that would hold you back in that regard is uh, if, if you have an a organizational culture that allows for you to reach out, um, and I think demonstrating your ability to think beyond your department is one of the ways in which you do that, which you, you do demonstrate competency and then you can reach for that uh, next goal or that next the vision that you see from the, from the organizational level, um, which you should be getting from being involved in things like your strategic planning. Uh, strategic planning is a very big thing when it comes to you know, knowing where the organization wants to go. So if you know the strategy uh, for a, a, uh, getting to the, the vision that's been set up by the CEO or by the controlling board, if you know what that is, you already understand the inner workings of the organization uh, because your, your group is you know, thoroughly baked into everything that's going on. I think that uh, developing the ability to see what you're doing and how it impacts the success of the organization um, and then stepping out of that, you have to know what's, what's the, what the tolerance level is when it comes to the strategic plan. So if we have a list of things that we know the organization wants to do, that they may not be related to IT, but we know that we can have a piece of that in some regard. I think when you reach out to either other C-level uh, employees or if you can just start something up from, from your own office reaching across uh, the organization, uh, that be, you begin to become a resource for um, the innovation, again, not just in your department, but when someone has, uh, you know, if it's a, a reach, they can, they can stretch their goals and, and their uh, thoughts about what the organization can do, and then you become the resource and the champion uh, for projects that may not be, again, IT-related, but in the end, you know it's going to land in your department. Um, so having people acknowledge your ability to think about things in a, a large-scope way by interconnectivity of in individual departments or multiple departments across the organization, um, I think that's how we... We demonstrate our ability, and then you, you continue to, to grow upon that success. So success you know, leads to different and new successes. Uh, I think that taking a measured approach uh, early on 
is the better uh, idea than jumping in to a large scale you know, organization wide uh, strategic plan uh, or change. But I think that when you demonstrate the ability to, to coordinate different parts of the organization, you do step into that, the, the CEO uh, realm of things. And as long as your CEO is okay with you not usurping their power, but uh, by sharing you know, their power, which is what we should be doing inside our own departments, that, that culture um, lends itself to being one of, of change innovation. And then to get to your other point about us taking time to do that and not trying to do break-fix, uh, I think that when you develop inside of your department that same kind of culture of it's okay for my employees to do things that uh, may not be what I want them to be doing all the time. They may decide to, to step out and try something new. Uh, me being okay with that and rewarding that and, and giving that praise out, which is what I'd hope that my CEO would be doing to me, uh, me pushing that culture down from within my department helps me be able to be able to say, okay, I've got this idea. I'm going to give this to you three. I want you to do it and let me know how it works out. You know, I had to appraise the ability of those people to do it um, and to carry it forward and to integrate it across the organization. But they know that if something does need my assistance or, or my opinion, they can come to me and, and I'm not scold them for not being able to do, to do it on their own. So it's that, it's that culture of uh, being able to let go and being okay with someone's solution um, if they come up with it the same way that if I have an idea that can help, say, our business office or our print shop do something different, meeting with them directly and saying, I got this idea, um, let's try this, and then present it to the CFO as, a, as either as a completed initiative that's already been in, in play and they just didn't know it was in play, or as we're going to take this off, we'll make you aware of it, here's the benefit, here's you know, the, the why uh, of this you know, change, and then letting them see that it's not me trying to, to step into their role as, as leading the, the print shop or the business office. It's that I am their partner in making things better. So based on what you said, you will clean the house inside IT, feel confident that if you do go out and put your neck out and say, okay, we can do ABC or I would like to share some innovation and to your peril, if they do say yes, your people can deliver. Am I correct? Right, and that's the same thing with, with going to the other parts of the organization. It would not be me taking on the, a, a change in the business office or in their processes. It would be me going to them and say, my team uh, would like to assist you with this idea. What do you think? And then handing that off to my team members. Not, it would not be me you know, going to meeting with the business office every week for uh, an update meeting. I would, I would allow my group to take care of that you know, that project um, to help the business office. And that way I'm, I'm building that relationship we talked about earlier about them being able to trust the judgment and the expertise inside the department and it not be just me, not, not just Jonathan as the, the focal point of all things uh, integration-wise. It's, there is this group out there inside the organization called technology that will help me do things um, now, they may bounce things off of me, and it's, it's great for the CIO, um, I, I can't stress this enough, to be a trusted sounding board um, that will give you uh, clear and um, concise, but also very candid uh, responses to the questions or to your ideas, but to be able to trust in that and that I'm not going to knock you down or get, you know, make you leave my office if it's something that... Um, 
doesn't strike the the interest of my my core interest of, of a technology being a technologist. That that's one of those things again that the culture has to be acceptable, uh, accepting to those kind of changes and those kind of initiatives that are coming from the outside of the departments. Let me share another take on this and tell me if that's possible. One is where you take the ideas to the business leaders and see, tell me what you think, and then they tell you whether they want it or not want it, and then you take two more ideas. Another is to create excitement by communicating your vision from your position as a CIO, but thinking like a CEO on say, this is what is happening around the world today, and if this was tried in our area, then these are the possibilities and we can go beyond what we are doing today. And you do it in different ways. And what you do then is you spark interest. You create energy among the business leaders and the business users where they start coming up with ideas. And since you would have already sparked those ideas in the direction where they know they will need to use technology, then you will get the inbound requests to say, can you guys do this with us? Now what you've done here is different than you taking the idea from your side, whereas if the business is energized and they bring the ideas, the adoption is automatic because it was business's idea and you are able to then help refine it. And you don't stop after the three ideas which were created by business and you start getting busy with the execution. For that, you will have the team and business will give you the funds to scale your team. But then you can keep going at it. You keep creating energies. You keep painting vision. You keep giving them sparks of innovation or at least create those energy and the sparks so that innovation is initiated from the business side. Wouldn't that put IT leaders in truly, quote unquote, a catalyst role? Absolutely. Um, and that's something that we work on here, which is to look for the, the small the, the small seeds that can be used in, in different and, and novel ways. Um, I, when I meet with the uh, the other sea level uh, peers once a week, um, I actually had that as part of my usual at least once a month. When I, we meet we, we meet weekly, but once a month I try to bring something that's uh, an, an interesting thing that. You know, did you know or have you seen or here's this article um, uh, or this here's a link to a TED talk that I'm sending you or something like, like that that I know that they should be aware of, but they're probably not aware of. And then in, in that same regard, give them context of this is similar to uh, what we do here in this way, but different. And what do you think? And I don't try to force that upon them. I don't try to force what I think they should do which is the other part of that conversation, I, I plant that seed of here are these tools that are out there that, that you may or may not be aware of. Um, what do you think? And I try to push that forward on, again, that lifelong learning aspect of what we should be doing as C-level executives. If we should be, one, experts in our field. We should always have an interest in what we're doing uh, career-wise, and so we should want to learn more about it. But we should also be and ourselves integrators of experiences that we've had across our career and taking that and integrating that also with what we know the organization can do in its capacity. 
um, one of the th- things that I've had to, to temper some of my peers to, in doing is that not when they don't understand what the capacity of the organization actually is because they only operate in one silo of, of, of the college. And so they don't understand or have an appreciation for what other parts of the organization are doing. And so they have a very interesting idea, but they need context. And so being, being able to be a resource to apply context to things allows me to to one, be involved at the ground floor of, of idea making, but also I, I'd usually challenge them if it won't work this way, what about X, Y, or Z? What do, you, what do you think about that? And then they'll come back to me later. And that's one of those things about creating that culture is I give them a, a large set of tools, a large uh, group of, of opportunities that they could use, but I'm not prescriptive about what I want them to do. If there's something now that I feel very passionate about, I may get prescriptive and say, we're going to do this thing, and you'll see the benefit later on. Um, but by and large, I want my organization proper to be a learning organization. And so by me wanting to do that, I, I have to make available to them resources and openings for them to have their own ideas, to, to let them percolate within themselves, and then bring me not a fully formed you know, notion of what we can do different, but a better, a better idea of what's feasible and possible to do with the resources that we have. And so that is something that I, I do try to do um, as often as I can, which is you know, demonstrate that there are a lot, of, a lot of opportunities to do new and interesting things, particularly with leveraging technology to do it, um, that my peers probably aren't uh, making, having that, that, that put on their radar. Imagine Steve Jobs, who's no longer with us, had gone to his people and said, you know what, there is a possibility of us putting something on a flat, thin, light piece of computing device and it might be useful. What do you think? Do you think we would have seen iPad? The point I'm trying to make is sometimes the CXOs, the other enterprise leaders, if we give them a white sheet of paper showing them some tools, some comparable, and yes, we want them to think, and yes, we want them to have give the ideas. But could do you think IT leaders play Steve Jobs where they say what is possible and then they could say, we, they are not saying that only ideas that I'm bringing are the ones you should look at. But at least that's what the word catalyst is. You, you start the juices flowing by sharing with them what's possible. What yeah, holds us back that, from that? I think that given um, you know, the, the, your, your Steve Jobs example, I think that they would maybe come to terms with what's possible uh, with that idea, but it would not have been at the same rate and scale uh, that we saw because he, he did take control um, of a lot of those things because he had the ideas thoroughly, I think, crystallized in his head of what he wanted to see. Um, and having the benefit of that from, from you know, the, the CIO standpoint, uh, that is that is an area where we sometimes have to force what we know upon the organization. Um, but I, I do think that the, making it evident that we are partners uh, in new ideas and we are willing to, to take that leap with you, um, that, that's something that's a benefit to the whole organization. And, and I think even if it's not evident um, during the time, at least I do, 
I do exercise my influence and, and knowledge of certain things along the way. I may not express it you know, explicitly, but if, if I see something that's an opportunity during a process that I know needs to change or that it will help us later on, I will take control of what I can and influence either directly or through various channels within the organization to make that happen in the way that I know will benefit not just myself and service my ego, but will benefit the organization later on because sometimes other, as you point out, other sixes have uh, power and authority to, to do their own thing, but sometimes we from our offices for for good or worse, we, we have a better understanding of what the implications are downstream. And so I, I think that you can give other you know, C-level people a, a long leash, but they will normally have to come back to us to make things actually happen. One is to spark the idea, which we spoke about, and thanks so much for all the inputs you gave on how IT leaders can work with the business leaders and users to get those sparks going. Now, once suppose a project does get funded, or initiative does get funded, it is not uncommon for the executive management to start losing interest or steam and thus they would not be actively championing those efforts, which makes it difficult for adoption or even getting ongoing funding and many other challenges start reappearing. One is that you go with that Sarara speech or uh, get them some great ideas. But as a catalyst, catalyst is not just sparks the interest, but catalyst accelerates the completion of that process. What can IT leaders do where they continue to rally the organization, the management, and everyone else so that we see that change initiative, that innovation, that growth-related effort? We see it through and at a faster pace and in a better quality. Now, that's when IT leader will earn the role. Uh, IT leader will earn the badge of a catalyst. Exactly. And I think that demonstrating the ability to do just that, to, to have a goal and keep in focus with the goal that comes the next week or the next business cycle, um, we have to maintain the integrity of each initiative because otherwise it's one of those... Uh, once you talk about something enough in your mind, it actually becomes uh, already done. And I think that the CEOs particularly have this uh, problem of having an idea or, or understanding something's going to happen. And then once that's in their head, they think it's done and they let go of it. And we have to have the ability to not get wrapped up in that mindset and be able to plan and coordinate our, our efforts and our teams and our resources around how do we integrate the next project so that we demonstrate that we can take on new things and manage the quality of services and the new services that we want to take on um, at the same level? And so one of the things that you'd have to do is as you plan things out and you know that you're going to have a human resources uh, deficit, if you demonstrate that you're still continuing this project and it's on time, on budget, but with this next thing coming, we want to do it, but I need to have someone or some device or what have you as part of it, that's how you keep the minimum going because you don't want to overburden your employees because if they just see you as layering on, you know, innovative design after innovative design, 
but you're not giving them any relief of that pressure to, to deliver, they're going to revolt on you. Um, and so you always have to be taking into, into consideration the, the burden that you're putting on your staff if you don't give them some kind of relief or, or you request that as part of these uh, newer changes that we also understand there's going to be a cost of human resources or some other, other fund to maintain that and to kick off the next one. And I think that that's how you also promote the ongoing change and the ongoing uh, implementation of new ideas is to not make it so it's a burden or I call it an initiative fatigue. We have that a lot of times in, in my, my business. Uh, we start new things, but we forget about the things that we were already doing. Um, and so that's something that we always have to be cognizant of is this is what we want at this high level. It requires these things, and these things are separate but integrated into the next thing that you want to do. And having all those things on the radar and communicating that with the other C-suite people of, yes, we can do that. I'll be happy to help you to do that, or we're going to do this thing. However, there is a trade-off of time and resources and people that we all have to be very aware of and honest about before we think it's going to be successful. So I've worked with organizations, uh, IT organizations or their departments in many cases, where I've gone in there and facilitated sessions as a part of the transformation initiative to uncover what overwhelms them, where they are detached, where they are over-dependent, and where they are underprepared. If you were to really look at your organization, your IT organization's capacity to be able to help support changes and not lose steam and not get burnt out, and you still could go out and play the catalyst, we got to make sure that these negative areas, which is over-dependence, uh, detachment, or uh, overwhelm, or under-preparation, these things are on in an ongoing basis, objectively inventoried and fixed. But most organizations don't do it, or even they try to do it from within. They are not able to because people don't speak up, because they want to look like heroes. And that makes an IT organization implode, and it prevents them from being able to create value beyond what they are able to. How do you get over this so that you are never over capacity because of the very sheer transparency in these four areas? That's a very good question about not, not going over capacity because I think that we, particularly in, in technology, we demonstrate that um, we have high-performing individuals inside our departments um, for you know, good or not. Uh, the stereotypical uh, IT person is a highly intelligent person. They're capable of doing lots of things. And so we want to take on new and, challenge, and challenging ideas. And so when we say we need help, um, that, that's a sign of weakness a lot of times. And so one of those issues I mentioned earlier is, is being able to get over the ego of, of self. And I really do think that the, as a CIO, you have to acknowledge that you, the threats to you are not great uh, when it comes to uh, your, your, yourself and your, your perception of yourself. And so you are able to say, um, we are going to uh, achieve this in this way. I may not have the capacity right now to do this. 
I'm going to make sure that my team is balanced. And, and sometimes we have to say no. Um, it's not the best thing to do, but I think that if we, if we do push back, um, that may motivate, if, if, we, if we're being held back from human resources, that may uh, motivate HR or the CEO to give us those resources to not tax out um, our, our individual employees. But I, I do think that um, not wanting to, to say no is a big problem that we have in technology because we want to be problem solvers. We're by nature problem solvers. But sometimes we have to come to terms with we can't do everything for everyone, and we have to ask for, for help in some fashion in order to get things done and do it out of a way that we're proud of at the very end. Okay, I have less than a minute left. What would be your recommendation for the upcoming IT leaders if they wanted to groom themselves into becoming a catalyst when they join and when they grow within the company? Um, I think that uh, having a, a very broad approach to uh, organizational awareness um, not just being a specialist in your field of technical interest, but being able to uh, understand uh, power dynamics within an organization is important to know and not learn on the job. You do not want to learn about power dynamics or corporate politics on the job. You want to, to study those things and, and know those things very well. Um, I think that having someone who's got broad interest beyond just technology is a good way of, of looking for that. If you're looking for a successor or if you're trying to plan someone inside your department. Um, so broaden your horizons from, from an up-and-coming CIO standpoint. If you have aspirations for doing that, look beyond just technical. Look into people management, understanding how organizations 30 work. 30 seconds. And have an appreciation for, for doing those things along with technology. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thanks so much, Jonathan. This was a fantastic discussion about how IT leaders can elevate themselves from a mere enabler to a catalyst. Thanks so much. My pleasure. And hope uh, listeners you enjoyed, got some nuggets out of it, a pretty good in-depth discussion about how to become a catalyst as an IT leader. Please like us on Facebook, search for CTN. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, join our LinkedIn group, and we are over 20 syndication channels on podcasts. So please look us up, subscribe, and give us reviews so that more people benefit. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.